coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio. This is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a Thursday edition of the program. I am merely Bo. He is the great Z. Welcome in to CBD on a Thursday. As you could tell, can you, can you hear the congestion in the voice, Z? Yeah, you don't sound great, brother. So I've identified. So this happened probably two weeks ago. Bootsy had some sort of a birthday party, and yeah, right. And he he fell ill, and it, it was kind of cruising through the family, and I held it off. I've 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 had it held off, and um and then today it got me. It got me today. So your hearty stock, your hearty stock. It took a while, but you know, it happens. Eventually, you get got. It, you, you just get got. Get got. Yeah. yeah. So that's the way yeah. that it goes. Um, how you doing? You have a nice nice evening last night. It was good. Yeah, celebrated uh, my uh, good friend Grant Davis's son Trey's graduation from high school. Had a, a, we were able to go. We went downtown and uh, saw a little concert and hung out. It was great. A great time. So, yeah, yesterday was good. How about you? Not it was a win. Did, it was uh, wonderful. It was, I tell you what, it was blustery, like heated bluster yesterday with the wind. Uh, and it's kind of continued today, just hot and breezy. And we were going to go uh, play, play a little bit of the golf. We met some friends. Uh, and had some dinner at the club, and I was going to play a little golf. The boys were going to play. I was going to watch, and um, and it was just it was a little bit too much, a little too much of much of an oven effect for everybody. So we we sat it out. We laid low. The um, ESPYS were last night. I watched about a second and a half. I did see all of the stuff with which is maybe more than you watched, is my guess. I've seen like a clip of Steph Curry doing a roast. Okay, that's what I wanted to talk to with you. And we actually do have a lot of football stuff to get into too. But I wanted to hit this right out of the gates. This goes back to one of the absolute principles that, that I've lived my life by, and, and that is the notion of don't be funny unless you are. And, and this is something I always, often give as advice for kids on the, uh, the, the toast, for the best man toast and all of this. It's, it's one yeah, of the three it's, things. Yeah, great wedding speech advice, no doubt. Great wedding speech advice. Don't be funny unless you are. And if you're not, or if you don't know if you are, then you're not funny. You're not. Like, it's really that Correct. simple. Yeah, and yep. most of you aren't. Like the, the amount of people who are, it's a very short list of people who are clever. Most of you. It's just true. <laughs> it's not. So, yeah. um, and, and so that's, that's just the reality of the situation. That's how I feel about this, these athletes hosting this thing. I don't know what Curry was going for with this outfit, and he's walking around with, like, either a tequila or a bourbon, one of the two, hard yeah. to tell, some sort of probably yeah. tequila. It's like a nice añejo, maybe. That's yeah, what sure. I was thinking, too. Um, and just one misfire after another, like, just – I have to imagine he was really clamming up because he would drop these jokes and there would be very little reaction to it. It, it was a little awkward, I, I would say. It was definitely a little awkward. You'd be much better off with a professional comedian like a, a Jimmy Kimmel or somebody yes. of that ilk hosting it who is able to just does this on the reg and would do it in a way that everybody found to be very entertaining. It has to be a roast. Like Manning's probably yeah. the only you know, athlete who could do this. Everybody else, it's going to fall short. Manning has an ability to have a little bit of a tone to it. Do you remember yeah. the Norm McDonald ESPYs monologue? I do not, but you know I'm a big Norm McDonald guy, oh but no, I don't remember that. When he went at OJ? You don't recall this? <sighs> it's sure a, I've seen it's like a 15 it. minutes tour de force of Norm knocking it out of He's, the park, just crushing yeah. it. That's, That's what, what it has it to be. be. Yeah, That's that what it's got to be. You can't be anything yep. other than that. Um, we have news here, my friend. Um, we've got we we've do. got uh, 
rookies and quarterbacks and players recovering from injuries tomorrow. And we also had quarterbacks here today. Uh, Jeremy Fowler, I think the first to report, Browns working out quarterbacks this week, including A.J. McCarron and Josh Rosen. Both quarterbacks worked as backups in Atlanta last season. McCarron suffering a season-ending ACL injury in the preseason as a second-string quarterback. Rosen signed after and later appeared in four games in relief of Matt Ryan. It feels like it was further ago than that that he played for them, but I guess it probably wasn't. Yeah, no, that was it. And, and you know, look, this is uh, – people are making – reading a lot into this. The Browns were planning on bringing in another quarterback, uh, and so I would, don't read – this has nothing to do with Deshaun Watson. I think it's just you need another arm for camp, number one. And then number two – it's in the event that there is a suspension of some length that you need to have three quarterbacks in your program for that period of time. And so it makes sense that the Browns would be kicking the tires on some quarterbacks here. And the fact that it's Josh Rosen and A.J. McCarron really honestly should tell you all that you need to know about you know whether or not they think this is a dire thing. Rosen, unfortunately for him, three starts in 2019, goes 0-3, one touchdown, five picks last year. Throws 11 passes. He completes two of them to his team. He completes two of them to the other team. So mm-hmm. not exactly a great rate right there of completions and no. interceptions at a one-to-one. But these are guys that you're bringing in, and in McCarron's cases, at least played in the league and, and had a modicum of success at times. But these are people that are here, too, because, A, they've you know been in the league. They can come in, you know, learn a playbook and, and participate. But this is not anything that I would expect to be of any kind of a significance. And and by the way, I would not have had the fact that A.J. McCarron's career has him throwing six touchdowns and three picks. Now, he did six touchdowns in his first, his rookie year in 2015. That's it. That's it. Never threw another touchdown. What year is that that we almost traded for him? Is that 16? 16. Mm -hmm. Is that the Kaiser year? Or is it the Kaiser year year? would have been 17. 16 would have been Kessler. So okay, then it had Kessler. to be 17. It had to be 17 that we tried to trade for him. Because Deshaun was, it was the Kaiser. It was the Kaiser year. It was the Kaiser year when we tried to. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, there was a time when there was a lot of belief that McCarron could be a guy. I mean, you yep. know, you obviously thought that. And a lot of people that maybe thought that with the right opportunity, he could be a guy. Obviously, several people thought Rosen could be. It's, it's a stunning thing with Rosen and that he was that was all that talk was, was him or Darnold leading up to that their last season at UCLA and USC. You did it in the whole prep for the drafting of Baker, but no one was talking about Lamar or Josh Allen, not on the level of, of Rosen and Darnold. They were viewed as sure things, both of them. And here's they where we were. are all, this, all these few short years later. Yeah, and we even had the uh, play-by-play voice of, of USC come on and say, the guy he would take number one overall is Josh Rosen, which that's right was Amazing. a stunning a stunning situation at the time uh, when he made that that announcement but no people there were some people talking about Josh Allen but just that he was a project and remember there was the friend of Dorsey that came out from Peter King with the Josh Allen stuff but it, it I'm wasn't talking about until... going into the season their their last oh, season into that of college season. Yeah, though uh, yeah. for sure yeah Allen was not somebody who anybody and frankly no. it was Baker or any of them it was no. between these two guys Allen was a project it was like yep boy there's a big hunk of clay here I don't know what it can be and then he actually kind of struggled that year that his last year at Wyoming he kind of struggled in comparison to against what he was good competition before. yep yeah mm-hmm. because they had lost a bunch of receivers that weren't there from the year before and so they were kind of starting over a little bit there um, and that's what led to it. Um, the other thing that I thought about that's interesting from this, and I always just try to think about it, I'm not as smart as our front office, but sometimes I like to pretend that I am. These are two guys who at one point were commodities in the league, and so they come in, they learn a playbook, you put them in some preseason games. If they flash, maybe there's an opportunity to pick something up with one of them via trade or something like that. Yep. Who knows? 
Um, but that these are both guys where there's a little bit of a like they would these two would have much more, I think, interest around the league because of pedigree than if you had brought in an undrafted free agent quarterback to be the fourth quarterback. And I'm not saying either one of these guys is it, but I at least see kind of that that could be a potential here. It's a long ways, a long shot. I get it. But I do think that there's at least something to that. Yeah, I think, and, and when people are making, again, a big deal of it, I go back to, what was it, um, 2018, we had, I think we may have had, we had Tarad, we had Baker, we had Brogan Roback, and David Blau were here, and then when Stanton came in, we ended up, we always had four guys around, so always, it's, yeah. it's not an atypical number at this point in the year. So, I, again, don't read too much into it. The Browns are looking to get somebody else in here. Makes sense. And to get prepared for this season. And, and hopefully, as we said, all along we'll get some resolution because one thing you do, you talk about our news, there was some resolution today around the NFL and Kyler Murray getting his deal done with the Arizona Cardinals. So that's a that's probably the number one story in the NFL right now, right? Yeah, it Kyler certainly is. gets his deal done. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it is. It is the story around the league. It's he it gets a deal done at two hundred and thirty million, thirty two hundred thirty point five million dollars, uh, one hundred and sixty million guaranteed on that deal. It yep. falls short of the deal that we gave Deshaun Watson in terms of total guaranteed money by about seventy million. Uh, but it does make him on a per year basis the second highest paid quarterback in the league behind Aaron Rodgers. So that deal does get done for Kyler Murray. Um, he will be there in a long term basis. It's interesting though, still just a five year deal. He will have. It's pretty amazing. Watson will be in this camp, too. But Murray's just 24. He'll be 29 when this deal is done. So he's, I think it's a, he's, it's a five-year deal, right? Extension on the two years remaining. So it's really Oh, it's a seven, seven years. So this takes him to 2031. Yes. Or until he's 31. Yep. I'm sorry. Until he's 31 years of age. Okay. Yep. So he would still have potentially, if he can stay healthy, uh, a, a potential to land another contract similar to this sure. by the time he's in his early 30s. So these guys can Absolutely. now stack these. You know, the, the thinking was that you would, you know, I think some people thought, well, you'd see these long 10-year, $400 million, like the Mahomes deal, and what guys are opting for is the shorter deal with a bunch of guaranteed money so that you can hit it again because who knows what's going to happen. We, well, we know what's going to happen. The cap's going to go up and up as the revenues go up and up. Yeah, no doubt. And and these deals that get done early and get locked in, those are the ones that are going to ultimately feel like the bargains in a few years. Every new quarterback is going to deal that gets done is going to reset the bar. A lot is being made about the guaranteed money. My take on that is for the most part, if you are a quarterback who's going to get a deal like this that people think is that good, it kind of is guaranteed money unless yeah. you really flop out, right? And in that case, it, it's good for the team, not great for the player. Um I'm surprised. I thought that not because of the Deshaun deal, but if the NFL, and you see a lot of players talking about this, wanting to get closer to a more guaranteed contact, contract structure like you are seeing from different places in, in the NBA and obviously Major League Baseball, the one position that would have the ability to lead that change would be the quarterback room. And now with Kyler taking this deal, that kind of sets that back a little bit. And I think... What we're going to see now is Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Now the table's set, right? They didn't want to do a deal, the first deal, clearly, the Ravens and, and Lamar after the Watson deal. So if a deal doesn't get done now that this Kyler Murray deal is done, then everything we talked about where we said, oh, well, there's some smoke, there would definitely be fire, in my opinion, if he doesn't get a deal done very soon after this deal being done. I think the Lamar deal is one of the more complicated deals in recent NFL memory, truly. 
you know, because it's he's more accomplished than both Deshaun and Kyler. He's an yep. MVP. He's a unanimous MVP of the league. But his yep. style is so unique, and I do think that there are justifiable questions in terms of is that sustainable for you to compete for championships in this league playing that way. All the while, acknowledging as well that everything that they've done there from a roster standpoint is built around having him. Like they have to have somebody like him to be successful the way that the roster is structured. So it's kind of like he needs them, they need him. It's like they both need each other. You know, but then how do you settle on a number when in the back of your head, if you're the Ravens, you're like, boy, but can we, is, do we want to be into this style of play for the next five years or six? Yes. Yes. It's tricky, man. It is a very tricky situation. And, and there is the part of it that is very, very real. And that obviously got Lamar Jackson's uh, upset a little bit from Bernard Pollard when he said, look, receivers don't want to play there. Fact. It is a fact. Yeah, the receivers who were there and good friends with him handled it with class. Hollywood Brown did, but he wanted out so he could go to an offense that's going to throw the football and where he has a chance to put up big numbers in Arizona. So he goes there. No big name free agent has signed there. Their biggest free agent signing that they've gotten at wide receiver was Sammy Watkins, who is yeah. now considered an afterthought when he signed somewhere. So there is some truth to it, and and you're right. There is a real question around from the Ravens perspective is of course we know we can win games in the regular season and we've won a playoff game but can we over the next five years as the league continues to evolve as it becomes more of a passing in a space league are we going to continue to be able to compete when really we are a run first team that throw, has a great tight end but cannot attract the kind of weapons that create Havoc for others. And, and I wonder, look, I think Rashad Bateman's a fine young receiver out of Minnesota. We both liked him coming out. Yeah. I think he's got a chance to have a very nice season this year. But he doesn't possess what Hollywood Brown did, which Hollywood Brown helped open things up for them because he could run by you straight up, yep. like flat out. He, had, he was a vertical threat. And they're not, they don't have that guy now. And so you wonder what does that do to their offense and how does that impact things? And what does that mean ultimately for not just, you know, for Lamar Jackson, but as we said, for the future of this franchise. If, if a deal doesn't get done quickly for Lamar Jackson, again, that means to me that it was not as much about the Deshaun Watson contract as it was about them being kind of unsure. Because now that this Kyler Murray deal is done, there's no reason that they can't get it done. No, the groundwork is laid. I mean, all you got to do is 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 put it out there and get it signed, and away you go um, for for him there. I, I wonder. My my hunch is that they will go with a short term, all guaranteed, and maybe a really high per year. Like, could they? Would he be satisfied being the highest paid quarterback in the league? Like, even superseding Rodgers, like a three year one fifty all guaranteed. Like, is that something that makes to me? That's always what's made sense between them and him. Is is something like that? That's a short term, yeah, big money. Here's here, we're really appreciative. We know you're critical to right now. Give it all to him right now, and then you know you talk about it again in a few years. Yeah, you talk about you know a guy that we've had on the program before, Jason Lockenfor, who works in Baltimore on uh, their one oh five point seven, the fan, and he said the case for his fifty million dollar year fully guaranteed. It's strong. The market's moving in his flavor, um, uh, in his favor, I should say. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Does that get done? Is that the way they go? And and like I said, if it not. If not, what does that mean for them? Because they're a team that I think is, t is too good to be bad. But without him would be too bad to be good. Yeah. 
so how do they where would they be in the NFL landscape it feels like they'd be in a little bit of a purgatory so really they don't have any choice to go but to go with him and hope that he can continue to refine his passing game and be able to throw the football to moving targets. He's very good against zone when guys can sit down and have their, their chest to him. That's when he's at his best. He does throw a nice vertical ball, but teams realize once they started blitzing him last year, once they were able to keep him in the pocket because of blitzers, it limited his effectiveness. Yeah, And so that's, no, a, that's a very real thing. Incredibly talented. Scares me every time he has the ball. I mean, he it's threw terrifying. a touchdown. They beat us in a game in which he threw four interceptions. And the one touchdown that I do remember him throwing was insane. He ran around for about 80 yards and then lofted one to the back of the end zone after we couldn't catch him on a play that started at the 20, and I think he threw it from his own 35. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the way that that goes with him. Uh, you did a, uh, a Sammy Watkins, which is a, a clearly a play on a Randy Watson, which got yeah, me thinking. Right. You, you think when they were doing Coming to America, was Randy Watson, do you think, related to the Eric LaSalle character, or were they completely no relation there, other than the fact that they both like the Jerry Curl as preferred hair? Great question. I don't know the answer. I never thought of them as being related. They're in the same room. They have the exact same hair. Probably not. I'm guessing they weren't because wasn't wasn't the Eric LaSalle character wasn't his like he was the heir to Soul Glow, wasn't he? He was the heir to Soul Glow and Randy Watson did not seem to be into that into that family. No, but he did enjoy the product. It appeared. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Randy Watson. Yes. So good. So good. He is great. That's on in rotation. Did you watch the, the sequel? You know, I never did, surprisingly, and I didn't hear anything that compelled me to watch it. No, I didn't either. I didn't hear a single positive review of it, and anybody saying, oh, you got to see it. Sometimes it's better to just leave these things and leave the original in all its glory. I will say, however, I did participate, I felt like, last night in Stranger Things. Uh, Miss Kay, or if you follow me on on any of the socials, but this one would be the Gram, which I keep pretty tight on the Gram because where I put all my family stuff. Uh, We drove home last night to a what i would call a pinkish gray sky yeah that had was having lightning just in the clouds the entire way home that looked just like stranger things it was i i i don't recall having ever seen anything like it it was so, wild we got hit with it i i've not seen stranger things but we experienced the same it's thing outrageous. after we got we got home last night it was um it was like 8:30 and it was really raining and lightning but it was bright like yeah like it wasn't as dark it should have been dark and it wasn't it was really really bright um so it was the strangest damn thing and i know we had severe weather yesterday but i didn't see anything in terms of if uh you know there was electricity out or anything like that i didn't see that throughout the region nothing like that no. but uh, a, a good deal a great deal of rain uh yesterday in the evening so uh there you go that's where you stand on that all right lots of fun on the program today do we have nick shook on is he actually on it looks nick like he's shook. on that's what I, that's what I'm told. Nick all shucks right. on all right. Oh my a God. parade of stars. This is really the friends of the program. Some of our great yeah. friends uh, great are joining friends. us here. Yeah, you got that to look forward to. You got a little safeties preview to look forward to in the second hour of the program oh, as baby. well. It's a mailbag Thursday edition of the program. My goodness, just pure joy for two hours here, kids. We're off and running. Cleveland Browns Daily, eight fifty, ESPN Cleveland. <laughs>
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. If a car, truck, or motorcycle accident caused you injury, call the injury lawyers at 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. We have some more uniform news. The Cowboys bringing back the classic white helmets for the 2022 game. They're going to wear them on Thanksgiving Day against the Giants. This speaks to what you and I were saying. This is clearly why the Giants need to wear the giant helmet on this day and they're not going against the cowboys it's ridiculous like you play on thanksgiving against the cowboys that's come on come on this is a slick this is a slick one i like this look for them i think it's a great look it's one of my favorites i had a i had a a old school let's see in that particular jersey because it's got kind of like the shoulder patches on it and whatnot i had the uh, i had a a des bryant i had a romo i had a playmaker at one point i had them all irvin one is strong that's a strong play Prime, great. Prime's pretty good in that too. If if oh, I, yeah. you know, him in anything is is always pretty good. So that that's a slick look that they're bringing that back. Um, I think we'll see more and more of these trickle out, right? You see more and more of these start to trickle out as it goes. Yeah, it along. feels like one's co- one's coming every day is what it feels like. So yeah. yeah, keep them coming, keep them coming. I think again, as we've said, and we're just lobbying right now. This there's these are not scores, but a white lid for us would be great. We need the the Buccaneer to come back. The white and the white with the Buccaneer. Yeah. I'd love to see Houston Oilers from the Titans since they're such cruds and they won't let the Oilers just have the Houston football team. The Texans have a an Oilers color, Yep, which is ridiculous. I'm also with you. Let's just make our own blue in your face. Yeah, you that's it. it. I, just get around it. There's ways to yeah. get around it. Like, they don't own every shade of light blue. That's specific, fine, but pick another one. I mean, there's all sorts yeah. of, of light blues out there. Um, speaking of the Bucks, you mentioned them as a um, as a pot- potential where they need to bring the creamsicles back. By the way, do it before you lose Brady, man. Like, sell some creamsicle Brady's. Let's let's get yeah. on it, boys. Let's have a little yeah. bit of marketing sense here. Um, the Bucks signed Gronk's replacement yesterday, Kyle Rudolph, to a one year deal. Brady jokingly told the tight end that he can't be the his first read because he went to Notre Dame. Of course, there was a time when Michigan and Notre Dame played all the time and were pretty big yeah. rivals. They haven't it was a rivalry. Yeah, they haven't played much in the last 20 years or so but when Brady was there that was uh that was one of those standard games you opened the season with with Michigan and Notre Dame I was just Good trying to say a, a 20 year old would have a fan of either one of those teams would have no idea about that no uh-uh. no like they, the kids at Michigan and Notre Dame right now would have no clue about that no uh-uh. and there was a I mean for us that was the that game was always one of the first three two or three weeks in the season if you were yep. our age they always opened it was early was was that game was the Notre Dame Michigan game and it was it felt like who felt like Notre Dame wanted a lot when I was a kid like they consist yeah. it felt like they always won the game but I'm sure that's just kind of the way that I remember it um, but both of those programs I mean it's been since 1988 since Michigan since Notre Dame's won a national title 1997 for Michigan so it's been a minute well, as, a kid, as a kid it felt like Notre Dame was the one that was on TV most for me growing up yes. and was the team that was. <clears throat> You know, that was the big college football team. Like, that's what it was. And as we know, that is no longer the case. They still have been competitive at times. But to your point, have not won a title in, in, you know, almost 40 years now. And for Michigan, it's, you know, 25 years since the great Chucky Wood. Yeah. Yeah, a a big change. A lot of change in both of those. In both of those. And Notre Dame, I think, runs the risk of almost (laughs) – I really think they've got to get into the Big Ten. I really do. Uh, that's again just my opinion. They're gonna otherwise. What's it gonna be? And you know, it's funny you're saying Notre Dame, Michigan. Like Notre Dame, USC has been their big game for a while, but that in my mind that hasn't been a big game since like Manti Te'o. Oh, it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, it, 
because they're, it, it, it hasn't been often where they've both been good at the same time. That is their biggest right. rival is USC. Uh, now is absolutely the time that if you are the Big Ten, you say right now or never. And if you guys say never, then understand that USC is not going to play you. Understand Michigan's not going to play you. Um, the other thing the Big Ten could do, and I do think this makes a little bit of sense, is you know they, they get the Notre Dame buy-in. And it's really the only logical place for Notre Dame is in the Big Ten with all of the rivalries that would be there. The other play, I think, for the Big Ten, there was a lot of talk about Oregon and Washington. I'm wondering if it would more be Stanford and Cal would be the two that they would add to get to 20. Um, many of the Big Ten institutions, including Michigan, really fancy the academic side of things. You're not going to do better than Cal and Stanford from that perspective. It would give you basically the state of California from L.A. to, to the Bay Area. You'd get both, get the tech sector and all that comes with that. And I think if you give Cal $100 million a year in a TV deal, they're going to quickly get out of the debt that they have in their athletic department. That, that turns over pretty quickly. So to me, yeah. that – and, by the way, Stanford plays Notre Dame all the time. So I think there's a, a lot of – initially a lot of people were saying Oregon and Washington, but I think actually the ones that make the more sense would be Berkeley and, and Stanford. Um, the other thing interesting about – Free Notre Arizona. Dame, yeah, <laughs> not optimistic. Not optimistic there. I think the other yeah. thing that's interesting for you growing up, uh, I mean, if, if you had grown up in the Bay Area such as myself, of course you'd be aware that, that both Michigan and Notre Dame just pilfered that area. Concord De La Salle, like those kids, so many of those kids went to Michigan and Notre Dame um, in the heyday of Monty of Tumor. The, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, there was a lot of those guys in the late 80s, early 90s well, that went from the Bay Area to Notre Dame and to Michigan. Well, there are a lot of schools in the Bay Area that are Brothers of the Holy Cross schools. Yep. Which And the founder of that was uh, Basil Moreau, which my school was named after, but that's Notre Dame is in that. So there's a lot of... Like, even in my high school, which was a part of that network, there was a ton of go to go to Notre Dame, go to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is where you want to try to go. Yeah, yeah. It makes all the sense in the world. Really quickly here, I know we got Shook coming up. Uh, Jason McCourty added to the Good Morning football team, so it'll be Jamie Erdahl, uh, Shregs and Brandt, uh, Will Selva, and Jason McCourty will be the Good Morning football crew. And Jason forward. McCourty represented, of course, by the agent to the stars. Andy Sims, shout out Andy. Oh, very good, Simsay. Nice, nice, yeah. very good to hear there. Yeah, um, th that's going to be tough to duplicate the magic they had previously, but th th they're giving For it sure. a run at it with this group certainly. All right, yeah. uh, Nick Shook with the AFC North preview, biggest storylines heading into camp. That's coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on A50 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Oh, what a real treat. A little bit of an AFC North conversation with that. We had it on the hotline for a conversation with our great friend Nick Shook, Nick Shook. of NFL.com. How you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic. I'm glad you always refer to me as my appearance as being a real treat because it's a real treat to come on this show and talk with you guys. Well, it's not it lip service. It's the truth. No, it is a real treat. It's a it delight. It was when you were in the building. It is now. It's uh, I, I have, I'm filled with joy anytime I get to talk. We all get to talk to you. We're all filled with joy, my friend. Um, let's start here. AFC North preview. As you look at this division, is this clearly in your mind the second best division in football? Oh uh, well, I, uh, I think the AFC East would like to lay claim to that. Um, 
you know, you, you start with the AFC West and everything that's happened there in the off season, and then you kind of shift throughout the conference because, quite frankly, we're a little bit lopsided now, at least on paper. The NFC has gotten weaker. There are still some contenders, of course, but, you know, the NFC West has something to say about that with the Rams and the Niners and, and the Cardinals. But, um, you, you know, on the AFC side, you, you can't kind of ignore what's happened in the East. You know, the Patriots might have surprised some folks by getting back to the playoffs last year. Now, granted, they got blown out in – you know, in Super Wild Card Weekend at the hands of the division rival Bills, who are clearly, clearly the king of that division. But the Dolphins, you know, would like to say that they're in a better position now. Of course, there's a lot that's uncertain with them. They've got a new head coach in Mike McDaniel. They've got some pieces in there that are new as well, Terry Hill being one of them, Teron Armstead another. Um, and you have a quarterback who is has not yet proven. You, you look at the combination of the two, and and then you go back to the AFC North and you think, well, uh, this division's still pretty good. You got the team that that, that won the AFC uh, last year. You, you've you've in, in the Cincinnati Bengals. You've got the Browns, who you know made the playoffs two years ago, but kind of fell backward last year. But also have some new additions that have the optimism running high. Of course, if you have your quarterback for most of the season and Deshaun Watson as well, you've got the Bengals or you've got the Ravens, excuse me, who. Still have Lamar Jackson, but has some questions to answer as well. And then you've got the Steelers, who are in a bit of a transition phase. So I think they're in contention with probably talking about the NFC West and maybe the AFC East, but I don't think it's a clear answer. Sad. It is sad. Yeah, Nick Shook. All right, let's go through it here. What? Let's start with the Browns. We know what the biggest storyline for the Browns is. Let's take. We'll find out soon enough, hopefully what the result is and what that means for Deshaun Watson. But let's take a look at the rest of this roster. What intrigues you about this football team? What are the strengths? What do you need to see elevate for this team to achieve its goals? Well, um, I'm intrigued on a concerning side by the defensive interior. I think that you've got some exciting young players there, Perry and Winfrey being one of them. But a lot of question marks just because they haven't played a lot and haven't proven necessarily that they're reliable at this point. But you know, you are happy to have Jadevi and Clowney back off the edge, Anthony Walker back as a, as a veteran presence in the linebacking core. You, I can't wait to see what JOK does in year two, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Um, and you have a secondary that's strong. You know, I think Grant Delpit was trending upward last year and is kind of one of those under-the-radar guys who could play a key role for the Browns this year. you got Denzel Ward locked up on a new contract worth $100.5 million. And Greg Newsom, another guy who I think, you know, people who were paying attention realized how good he played as a rookie last year. But it's that second year. Do they make that next step? Do they make the leap? Um, I think he's in good position as well. Uh, there are question marks in other places. You know, I mean, at center, you got to replace J.C. Trutter, uh, Nick Harris, and Ethan Posick being the two guys there that you're looking at to, to replace him. And the receiving core. You know, Amari Cooper was a big acquisition, another one that kind of you know made some news at the time, but then the receiver market exploded, so people kind of forget about that. But, you know, other than that, you got David Bell, who you drafted, who you're going to rely on to kind of serve in the Jarvis Landry role. Um, but he's yep. a young guy, so he's going to have to get his feet under him. I need to see more out of Anthony Schwartz's development as a receiver. You know, we know he's got speed, but he needs to become more of a complete, polished receiver. And the guy I love the most, who I'm waiting to break out, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who has flashed star capability and just needs to do it over a complete season. He's going to get more of an opportunity this year, I think. Um, and depending on how this offense meshes together, whoever's playing quarterback, however that situation plays out, uh, the ceiling is high. It's just, um, you know, the only group you can really count on right now is the running back room with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and, and the other additions made as well. So there are some question marks, but it, it is a very intriguing team, which if all those pieces come together, they can be a very good team. Nick, let's stay there for a second, and, and just if you would for me, eventually Deshaun Watson is going to play for this football team, and, and we hope it's sooner rather than later, but 
you know, at some point he is, and, and this roster will be as Andrew Barry designed it to be. When that is the case, where does this roster in your mind match up with the other three in this division? Oh, I think it's good enough. To, with Deshaun Watson on the field, I think it's good enough to, to win the division. You know, Amari Cooper is a proven receiver. He's a proven number one guy that Watson can lean on. Um, you know what you get out of your backfield. And for the majority of the rest of your offensive line, you also know what you're getting out of them, provided they're healthy. You know, David Njoku coming back at tight end, signing that extension, I'm waiting for him to be another guy who takes that next step because we've known how athletic of a player he is. He came into the league extremely young. Seems like he's kind of getting his feet under him finally and um, could end up being a big-time playmaker for them as well. So, you know, if all that stuff comes together, I think he can definitely win the division. You know, the Bengals – reached the Super Bowl last year, a lot of people see it as a flash in the pan. I'm not quite one of those people, but they also got a lot of luck in terms of health. They only really had one significant injury, and that was right tackle Riley Reef, which came back to bite them in the Super Bowl. And they've invested accordingly in getting Leo Collins, getting uh, Ted Karras, and Alex Kappa to kind of shore up that offensive line. But, you know, I, I, I tend to think that they'll come back to earth a little bit this year. And if they do, and if the Browns, you know, can get a half of a season out of Deshaun Watson. I think they'll be right there in contention for the division title. The Ravens are always somebody that you have to expect you're going to have to battle with. Um, yep. So I don't discount them at all. Um, and then the Steelers, you know, their big thing is, is quarterback. So I think the Browns are in a good spot to go win the division, provided they can get, you know, half a season or so out of Deshaun Watson. You mentioned the Ravens. What do you make of this team and the predicament that it is in? And Bo and I were talking about this earlier. On one hand, you have you know Bernard Pollard saying receivers don't want to play here. That clearly ruffled the feathers of Lamar Jackson, and, and yet the evidence would indicate that he was probably right. No big free agents have wanted to go there. The best they got was, I guess, Sammy Watkins last year. Hollywood Brown wanted to leave, and their offense is built really around Lamar Jackson, and yet so far they have not gotten a deal done. Now, I think if with Kyler getting done, that means it should happen soon. And if it doesn't, then I'd really be worried. But where is this team and this offense, given the trends in your mind of the league in general and what that means for the Ravens in terms of the decision to make a long-term investment in a quarterback who's going to play in a style that is different than the majority of the elite teams? Yeah, it's a style that's different. You're right. It's a unique situation because, you know, at their best, they're a run-first team that pounds it. Um, against opposing yep. defenses and and wins with unpredictability with the the ability to run you know the read option or whatever it is and and have to always account for being able to be attacked on the ground at multiple angles because of the talent that they have and last year is not really much of a, a litmus test for them because of the, all the injuries they suffered but you're right the passing game surprisingly I think they finished 13th in passing last year and it was uh, it was an improvement a noticeable improvement but it was almost forced because. As Lamar had said prior, they became a little too predictable offensively. They were a little bit too one-dimensional. But even with that improvement in the passing game, as a team, they weren't really that much better. They failed to reach the playoffs. Injuries, of course, had a lot to do with that. But right now, you look at their roster and you look at their receiving core, and the guy that they had the highest hopes for in Rashad Bateman, who struggled with injuries early in the season last year, is essentially their number one receiver. So there is a little bit of truth to the idea that receivers don't want to play there, at least as of now. When Mark Andrews, who is a very good tight end, is leading your team in receiving, um, I think you need to find a way to you know, increase the output elsewhere, and you lose the guy who led them in receiving last year in Marquise Brown, who wanted to leave. He wanted to go play with his buddy, who probably gave him a better situation and a better opportunity to improve on his production. So it's a bit of an identity crisis because Greg Roman's still there as the O.C., uh, I, I expect him to try to adjust accordingly, but even after adjusting last year, they're still 
kind of running into these same questions. Who are you as an offense? Can you be an offense that's good enough to compete? And I keep going back to that Thursday night game they played in Miami where they basically just edge blitzed them and, and contained Lamar. It's the best way I've seen a defense approach Lamar Jackson since week four of the 2019 season when the Browns boxed him in and ended up blowing out the Ravens in Baltimore. So um, it's going to continue to be a question mark, and I understand how that factors into contract negotiations. It's also a strange situation with that contract because – Lamar, according to the Ravens, has not been very interested in talking about a contract. And I get that to an extent. You want to stay focused on the season ahead. But also, you're in a position to capitalize. Do you really want to take that risk going into your fifth year and maybe bank on the franchise tag the following year after coming off of an ankle injury that cut your your season short? I'm not so certain that's the best business decision. So a lot of question marks there. Um, as a team, you know, they're getting a lot back on defense in terms of guys coming back from injury. They've also made some nice additions, Marcus Williams being one. We'll see what Kyle Hamilton does as a rookie, the other safety. Um, and, and so they should be stronger on that side of the ball. But, again, it's always going to come down to their offense. And right now I don't have, I don't have the, the example that I could rely on to really accurately predict how they're going to perform because there's just too many variables. Well, Nick, the other thing, too, is like their injuries. You mentioned the you know, guys coming back from injury. I mean, in some cases, catastrophic. Like, these are major injuries. Like, we had some guys knocked, and they're back, and they're healthy. But, you know, there's, there's talk that some of their guys might not be back until towards the end of camp. So, I mean, they've yeah. got big-time injuries they have to come back from. Yeah, one of them being J.K. Dobbins, who, you know, got right. into a little bit of a social media beef this week after, you know, seeing reports that he might start on the pup list. I mean, that's – look, they, they cobbled together a veteran backfield led by Devontae Freeman last year, and, and Latavius Murray was also back there. Those guys are gone. I know they don't want to be in that position again, and they've – Stocked up the roster with a lot of different options at running back, including adding Mike Davis. But you don't get Dobbins and you're just relying on Gus Edwards. You know, it does kind of, you know, undercut your ability to run the ball as effectively. And I know that they did a really good job with the pieces that they were able to put together in season. It was kind of an emergency situation. They still became an offense that was effective enough to win games. But um, it does kind of hurt the confidence in them. When you look at this division, you look at this conference right now, and all that is going on and how loaded it is, what do you think it is going to take to be a playoff team this year? Is there going to be a war of attrition in the sense that everybody is going to beat everybody up? Or what do, do you think you're going to have to be a double-digit win team? What do you think it's going to take for a team to make the playoffs in the AFC? Where I think by my count, and I don't know if you would agree with this, and Bo and I have talked about it, I think we have eight teams that we think legitimately are probably entering this season thinking that they're going to win the Super Bowl or can compete for the Super Bowl, and probably 12 or 13 that think they're going to make the playoffs in a conference where only seven can. Yeah, you know, it's kind of strange because when they added the seventh playoff team, you thought, well, that's going to open the door for teams to get in you know, the nine and seven teams of the past to get in. And then, <laughs> you know, as we all know how that season played out, the three wild card teams all went 11 and five. So the following season, you got Pittsburgh in there at nine and seven. Um, so there's a bit of variance with that. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, for as much as we like to pump up the AFC West and everything that they've done this off season, you guys know from being in a strong conference, you tend to beat up on each other, like you said. And I think that, um, you know, they produced probably two, maybe three playoff teams. So the door could be open. Um, I don't think you get all three wild cards from that division. I just don't think that's really possible. Um, it's super rare for that to happen. And so the door is open for another wild card to come out of a different division. And if there's one that's going to come out of, I think it's either the East or the North. Uh, I do think that you're going to end up in a similar situation the last year where, your last wild card is about a nine seven, you know, nine seven to one Steelers team or a ten and seven team. So I would say double digit wins are going to be necessary, and we're going to start at ten, 
And you're just going to have to hope, like every season, that you win on the side of uh, injury luck. You know, you stay mostly healthy because it is going to be a difficult conference, basically from top to almost the bottom. It's going to be quite a, uh, a marathon of a season for those teams. Nick, you mentioned earlier when we were discussing the Bengals that there are people who think that they're a flash in the pan. I, I can understand how people think they won't get back to the Super Bowl, but nothing about them feels flash in the pan to me. It all feels Agreed. pretty known and pretty locked in, and I think their roster is really, really good, and they got better up front. Um, if people are thinking they're a flash in the pan, why? Because they're not the Buffalo Bills. They're not the Kansas City Chiefs. They're not, you know, the the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson. They're not the Chargers. Are you sure? They're, Yes. That's, They've done well, more that's than the Bills. That's, They've done more. They've done more than the Bills. No, yeah. no, and I agree with you, but on the surface, in terms of appearance, they're not. Sure. They're still – and this is the thing that hurts you when your rep- reputation kind of precedes you, is that you can tend to be bogged down when it comes to, you know, the court of public opinion and how people look at teams at this time of year. They see the stripes in the helmet, and they think, well, yeah, that was a fluke. Just because it's the Bengals, not because of the way their roster is constructed, but because it's the Bengals. They haven't really had a lot of attention paid to them since they lost Super Bowl 56. Since then, it's basically been, well, we know they have Joe Burrow. We know their offensive line isn't good. We know they have good receivers, but what else? Because they're not quite the flashiest team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but they got some dogs over there. So you you go shore up the offensive line with a bunch of names that don't really make a splash outside of Leo Collins because, I mean, other than me who pays attention to interior linemen and understands who's effective and who's not, I can understand. It's not a sexy position, so I get it. But those were the areas they needed to address, and they did address them. So I think they're going to be contenders. I think they're going to be a tough out. I also think that from your guys' seat, the Browns happen to have had their number in the last few years. So it does play well for the Browns right. as long as they can stay in contention. But, yeah, I, I think that they're, they're in position. I mean, they won the division with 10 wins last year. It's not like they blew the doors off the conference, but they got hot at the right time, and, and Joe Burrow really found himself at the right time. If he can carry that momentum over, you know, he's healthy. He's more than a year removed from an ACL tear. They got a better offensive line. They got the weapons. They're going to be a tough out. It's just a matter that they're not Josh Allen and the Bills. They're not Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in appearance, so they're not taking it seriously. All right, I know you're a big Madden guy. Madden 23 ratings are coming out. What's your biggest gripe so far? What have they gotten wrong, and, and what are you most excited about? I was surprised to see Christian McCaffrey rated as high as he was, not because he's not that good of a player, but because he's been hurt so much in the last Andrew. few years. I thought he'd That's get right. dinged um, in terms of overall. I was happy to see Miles Garrett at 99, and I was expecting accurately that Steelers fans would be very upset to see Miles Garrett three points higher than T.J. Watt after he tied the all-time single-season sacks record. Uh, so not a ton of surprises there. I think the defensive side of the ball when it comes to uh, the secondary, there's some surprises, but um, I can tell you this. Uh, I, I played the, the Madden 23 beta earlier this year, and it is a much better game. I'm very excited about it. In fact, I'm working on a little piece about it. Uh, you know, I talked to the guys at EA earlier this week, uh, the guys basically in charge of running the game and, and developing the game, and they're also very excited. I think it's going to be a significant year for the game outside of ratings, and I think players, if they give it a chance, will be rather impressed by the changes to the gameplay that they've wanted for a long time. It's a step in the right direction for a game that has been under fire in the last five to ten years from getting a little bit stale. Uh, they're aware of it. They've heard the criticism, and they're moving in that direction. So very excited for the release of this game to see what the, the reception is. Give us a hint. Of what, are, what are some of the things? Yeah. You played the thing. What, what makes it – because to me, I guess the last few years, and I, I've just gotten into it because the boys have had it the last couple of years, it feels like the, the gameplay is kind of the same year in and year out. 
Yeah, and it's different this year. And I'm not just saying that. I'm not some paid shill. I don't get a single penny from them about this. I'm just telling you from my own experience. You know, it's funny. is like every year things are released, games, whatever it is, and the marketing copy comes out. And they tout these all-new features, and it's going to be revolutionary. And largely it's more of the same with, you know, minimal improvements, whatever it is, whether it's Madden or whatever it is. Things tend to not progress as fast as we'd like them to. This year the copy came out and they touted this field sense. The way that you play the game is totally different. And I read it and I thought, well, this sounds like more of the same. Then I downloaded the beta and started playing and I thought, oh, they're actually, you know, they're backing this up this time around. There's there's a dynamic they use called hit everything where you can actually impact the ball carrier as he's being stood up by somebody. You know, it's something that I've done for years where I try to run another guy in there and he just falls off him and bounces off him as if nothing happens. That changes now. You can have a guy in the middle of getting stood up or getting tackled, and another guy comes in and punches the ball out, just like you see in a real football game. The The player movement is different. They've in, implemented hard cuts, which means you can finally run an inside zone play the way you're supposed to. You know, an inside zone, let's say you're taking a hand off the left, the front five offensive linemen, they all flow to the left on a similar track upfield, and the running back is cast to aim for a landmark and look for the cutback. You couldn't really hit that cutback in the past. Now nope, you no. hold down the left trigger and you move to the right. You can hit that cut. Did it with Kareem Hunt a lot when I was playing the beta come up field for 10, 12 yards, uh, exactly how you'd see in a football game. And most importantly to me, we know for too long when it comes to balls in the air that it feels predetermined, canned animation. You press a button, you hope he goes for the pick, you hope the right animation triggers, and if you're the receiver, you go for an aggressive catch. 85% of the time, that ball's getting knocked out. Now they play it independently. They go up, you can swat the ball. The back corner fade is a route you can actually throw now. You can defend it, and you can also catch it. There's all kinds of different changes there. Um, I had a ton of fun playing, and I'm looking forward to it. My biggest gripe was I felt like every pass either ended with a completion or an interception. Yes. yes. And that's different. And that's, that's much that's different. That's just not realistic. Like, sometimes you can throw a pass to a guy that's covered, and maybe you squeeze it in there. Maybe it gets batted down. It just it felt like it was either everything that was a decent or good read was a completion. Anything time you made a, you know, tried to fit one in or, and then they'd leap up in the air, whatever, but it just felt like the ball didn't hit the ground. And as we know, the best quarterbacks and it's changed since obviously we were young people, but you know, a guy will throw a complete 70% of his pass. That still means three passes are hitting the ground. Yeah. And you know, I talked to them about that and they admitted that they said that too often it was, you're either going for the catch or you're going for the interception. It's one of two outcomes. Like you said, it's not yep. like that anymore. And, and another part of that too, is they have this, um, feature, I, I can't remember, I think it's called like pinpoint passing or full control, something like that, where you can actually lead a guy, it, it defines an area in which he's guaranteed to try to make a play on the ball as a receiver and you'll see it show up on the field as you throw it you can lead a guy beyond that Into and try to throw it only where he can catch it, which you've never oh, really nice. been able to do in a football game before, so there's a lot of control like coming to the game that I, I'm I like excited it. for people to get their hands on Good All talk, right, you got me excited yeah, of course. Nick Shuck. Hey, you know what? Someday when they introduce crossplay, which is not going to be this year, but maybe in the future, get you guys in the league. You know? Get in the league. Oh Let's God. go. A little showdown. You know? No, Z, that's Z. I, a man's got to know his limitations. Mine or any league that you're involved in on a stick. So I'm not, I can't do Are you that. kidding it's me? Out of my depth. He would smoke me. <laughs> Way out of <laughs> no, my depth. No, no, I, a... I think our knowledge would square off well, and it just comes down to stick, to, to stick skills. But you know what? Stick skills. that game, we'd have, to, we'd have to make some content out of it for the show and for everything. Well, that for would sure. be fun. For sure. That would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good talking to you, pal. All right, fellas. Thanks for having me on. All right, you that's got great. It. 
Nick Shook. Nick Shook. Of NFL.com. Joining us on the hotline there, another great friend of the program, Benjamin Albright, going to join us next as we continue 10 Most Intriguing Teams centering on the Denver Broncos. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, 10 most intriguing teams for 2022 continues as we get set to start camp here in the next week. And with this, we head to Denver for a conversation with a great friend of the program, the great Benjamin Albright, Broncos insider, host, reporter, analyst on KOA in Denver. Buddy, thanks for the time. I got to say, we need to add like NHL owner breaking news guy too with this Daryl <laughs> Katz story. You, I mean, this is, I mean, he's been in trouble before um, for these type of allegations, but you break this yesterday with him potentially involved in, in something else. Where does it end with your news breaking, my friend? Yeah, we're getting ready to fire up, uh, you know, Albright NHL and Albright NBA. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're going multi-sport here. I love it, man. I love it. Um, it's a, it, go read Ben's reporting on this. It's, it's pretty, pretty wild what happened with the, with the own, what is happening with the owner of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, let's, let's get back into why we're here, though, and that is, of course, to discuss this Denver Broncos football team. I, I know we talked to you last year in the lead-up to the season. You said, boy, all you need is a quarterback. Well, now you got one. Uh, you get through the mini camps. We're on the onset of training camp. Give us a little feel about what Russell Wilson has meant and, and what he will mean to this Broncos franchise going forward. Well, what he's meant so far is credibility. Um, you know, there's a there's a general, you know, kind of optimism here that the Broncos have a real shot at the playoffs and uh, and maybe moving a little where moving around in the playoffs this year. Um, you know, last since Peyton Manning, it's really just been a you know a buffet of bad quarterback play over and over again. Whether that was Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, Mark Sanchez, Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke. Uh, you know, it's just it's just been a, a who's who of no at the quarterback position. The Broncos haven't been able to score points and, and have wasted some pretty good defenses uh, and in the end, uh, you know, unable to return to the playoffs. So what he's meant so far is a return to the standard on offense and, uh, and a credibility that this team could actually be a playoff contender. Yeah, they get their guy. They get Russ. What's the buzz like around that town? Because it's a, a, a town that in could have an unbelievable story of right winning Super Bowls with John Elway, winning Super Bowls with Peyton Manning, and now Russell Wilson could be, add his name to that list, which would be wild. What's kind of the vibe there? Because he can be a little bit of a different kind of guy, and I've seen some mixed things just pop up on your feed in terms of you responding to people with their commentary on the, the initial feelings on the Russell Wilson experience. Well, as a player, um, there's universal admiration. Um, as, as an on-the-field player, everybody everybody loves him. Everybody thinks that this is this is the guy. Um, you know, off the field, <laughs> Russ Wilson is just an interesting dude, man. He's uh, he's kind of a dork. I mean, if we're being honest, yeah. uh, and he's kind of like these cheesy motivational video, you know, kind of things. And uh, that, I mean, for some people that works, for some people it doesn't. I, I think that this this particular locker room might be the best fit for Russ simply because on the defensive side of the ball, the captain's Justin Simmons, and he's kind of kind of, sort of similar in the way that he approaches things uh, as opposed to maybe, you know, the Legion of Boom, which kind of had more of a, you know, an urban feel to it. Um, you know, guys had more of a gritty real world kind of, kind of feel to their, their messaging. And so, um, you know, I feel like that, uh, I feel like he's in the right place for him, but uh, if you're not a fan of those, uh, you know, those kind of, uh, kind of cheesy motivational kind of things, um, he's probably not your guy off the field. Well, the other thing here, too, is it's got to help, especially on the offensive side of the ball. When you look at the skill guys, they're all young, right, Ben? I mean, they're 
young, impressionable. Yeah. Here's a guy who's quarterback to team to a Super Bowl. It's a much easier – it's almost like you buy into anything because of how good he is as a player, right? Well, yeah, and you kind of have to. I mean, he sets the standard of this is where it's going to be, and if you, you can either get on board or you're not going to be here, and that was the same way Peyton Manning did things. Uh, but, yeah, you've got a lot of young guys on the offense. You know, I think the oldest guy on the offense is uh, uh, Melvin Gordon, you know. Uh, so it's it really is just a, a, a very youthful roster, uh, you know. Overall, and, and those guys grew up watching Russ play and, and all that kind of stuff. So there is there's a there's a cachet there, and there's there's a buy in there. Um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because the national media has all been focused on the offense with Russ, and the defense is like, oh yeah, by the way, we're still here. So there's been some uh, you know there's been a little chippiness at OTA, a little mouthing, you know, a little trash talk, that kind of stuff. Good natured stuff, no fights or anything, but good natured trash talk, which I think has been good. When you look at this, and you mentioned this team, and Bo, you talked about the young guys on the offense. He's going to have, obviously, a good backfield. We'll talk about that in a second. We'll talk some fantasy football and, and the saddest day, news day of the year when Melvin Gordon came back. And I know you like Melvin Gordon. I like Melvin Gordon, too, but just free Javante. Let's just, all right, forget. Let's just go right there. Just go free right Javante. there. I know you're let, me get, let me get 300, care, 300 touches this year. Come on, Ben. Is that in the cards? Well, Javante's going to get more of a lead role this year. Melvin will be a situational guy. I think the problem, if you're looking at it from a fantasy football perspective, is Melvin's going to be the short yardage, red zone, goal line back. Oh. So Javante's going to have to break him uh, if he's going to want oh, the touchdown God. totals that Melvin's going to Awful. wind up with because he's going to vulture him. That's terrible. Nobody likes that. Didn't you see ESPN? They asked all the people around the league. They had oh. Javante Williams, a top 10 back in the league already. The guy can't be tackled. <laughs> I was talking to Hackett out there at the combine, and you know, talking about if they brought Melvin back and everything, and and I was like, you know, they're going to name like they're going to name the fantasy football trophy for like the most hated guy in the league after you because you're you're going to split the carries and, yes. and kill everybody on the production. Yeah, it's right. It's like <laughs> when so Shanahan question. was there, and he would eight hundred backs, and one of course one would end up being great every year, but you never really knew who it was going to be. We don't need that. Javante's good to go. Let's have a true featured back. Let's just all enjoy it. <laughs> Off my soapbox. Well, dare to dream. That's right. Well, beyond that, beyond the backfield, I mean, this receiving core is fascinating. And um, I'm trying to think of, of just this combination. Obviously, he threw to some good guys with DK and, and Lockett last year in Seattle. But this group seems like it's even even more deep and more diversified. Um, of, of these guys, are they ready for what's coming their way with, with Wilson at the helm? Well, you hope so. Um, you know, Jerry Judy, for where he was drafted, uh, you know, I don't think has quite lived up to what people thought he could be. Uh, you do have, uh, you know, he does have an all-world skill set. He just hasn't quite quite gotten to the point where it needs to be any struggle with drops over the first two years. Uh, then you got uh, Cortland Sutton, who came back off that big injury, wasn't quite the same last year, kind of ramped it up a little toward the end of the season. Tim Patrick, who I think is quietly the, the most underrated receiver in football. The guy's just nails on third down. He doesn't drop footballs. I think he's, what, one drop over the last three years. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think he's kind of nails. And then the guy I think that, you know, while everybody's focusing on Judy, I think K.J. Hamler's prime for the yeah. big breakout season. Uh, he most resembles Tyler Lockett's skill set. Uh, it's just been health issues with him. I'll tell you, talking to the defensive players and the DBs, uh, that's the guy they don't want to go up against in practice. They say, KJ makes you look foolish out there in practice. That's the guy we don't want to line up with. Um, you know, we always trade him out. If we're lined up on him, I trade him for one of the rookies because I, I don't want to get lined up on him. I mean, he could fly. That was the thing. And, and, yeah, they've got a lot of weapons. Now, one piece they did give up was a guy that I saw, I think, at a 75-yard, if I'm not mistaken, catch-and-run touchdown against the Browns a few years ago, Noah Fant. So talk to me about that tight end room. They've got 
I'll just call him Albert. I'm not going to jump into that last name just yet. And then Greg Dulcich, who they drafted in the third round. What do you make of that tight end situation? And is 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 somebody going to be a, a guy that's relevant from a statistical perspective? Well, it's interesting because I, I thought Albert and his last name is Okuwebenam. Um I, I thought that he was going to be the guy okay. last year. I mean, no offense, a good tight end, but Okuwebenam was a willing blocker and honestly a little more athletic. Um, but the problem is with, with Albert O is that he struggled to stay healthy. Uh, so that's sort of been a problem there. They trade Fant away, clear the, you know, clear the pavement for him. And then uh, Nathaniel Hackett, though, banging the table for Greg Dulcich in the draft. And so they go out and they get Nathaniel Hackett's guy in Dulcich. I, I thought Albert O's looked better so far in training camp without the pads on. Um, you know, we got actual camp coming up. The OTAs, he looked better. With, uh, Albert O looked better without the pads on. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see once they get the pads on and everything. Uh, uh, those two guys will be the main two. And then one of Eric Tomlinson or Eric Salbert will win the third job there. Uh, Tomlinson's just basically an offensive tackle playing tight end. And Salbert, uh, you know, came, was here last year but really didn't do anything. Boy, Ben, you look at this roster. I look at the, I think, Pat Sertan. I think these guys on the defensive side, Chubb, all these guys they have. And then I, we just got done talking about all of the skill offensively. But then you look at that division and you say, my God, I, they could finish first. They could finish fourth. I have no idea. What, have you ever seen anything like this in a division with, with what's happened in the AFC West? I really haven't. I mean, it's a it's a pretty pretty strong division. Um, yeah. I think people forget how strong the NFC South was about I don't know five six years ago when you had prime Cam Newton, prime Matt Ryan, prime Drew Brees, and then you know those Tampa teams that had flirt with the playoffs when Winston was just coming around. That was a pretty strong division back then. It's probably the strongest I think I've seen a, a division top to bottom since I've looked at this one on paper. The Chargers, um, you know, on paper look like they could be the best team in the division, but they always manage to find a way to Charger. You know, you've got Kansas City's got Pat Mahomes. Doesn't matter what you lose. I mean, even losing Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthew, you still got Pat Mahomes, and that's that's a cheat code in and of itself. And the Raiders on offense, they look like a juggernaut. Uh, but uh, I don't know what they're going to do on defense because it doesn't look like they've really got much outside their pass rush. So, um, you know, with the Broncos, there's question marks. I mean, there's 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 talent there, but there's question marks. A lot of it's unproven. You know, you got a new coach, new OC, new DC, new special teams that have never done those things before. You got a new quarterback you brought in that's coming off a thumb injury. Uh, you've got a you know a defense that played really well uh, last year, third in the league in points allowed. But uh, and then you've got an offense that's never lived up to the potential. So uh, it's Denver's just a giant question mark. When you look at this team, you bring in Russ. You just talk about the division. We know about the conference. What are the expectations? What would be acceptable? Is this because Russ is here and it feels like it should be playoffs or bust? But and normally that would be okay. But this AFC is ridiculous. You could have a great season and play great and not make the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I, I think locally the the expectation is playoffs are bust. I think if they don't make the playoffs, that would be a severe disappointment to this fan base, even with how loaded the division is. Um, I, you know, I, I think uh, I think they have to show they have to have a winning record and show positive momentum uh, at minimum. Um, you know, this is this is a lot of George Payton's moves finally putting his stamp yep. on this team after the transition from John Elway. This is George Payton's picked coach. Uh, George Payton made the move for this quarterback. George Payton let Von Miller go and brought in Randy Gregory this offseason. So a lot of these moves have that George Payton stamp on them. And, you know, if this thing blows up, uh, you, you could see a lot of the goodwill toward him erode rather quickly. Ben, I'll get you out of here on this one. Since last we talked, we have officially have new ownership in Denver. Your early impressions of the ownership group. And then are you surprised that Peyton Manning wasn't a part of it? Well, um, not a part of it yet is probably okay. the best way to put that right now. 
Um, I, no, I'm not. Uh, they're, a, they're a very wealthy group. They're the owners we expected all along. I think that's the name we talked about when we were talking mm-hmm. back at uh, um, back where we were talking earlier this year at the Combine. Um, I, they're, they're loaded financially, which is, which is going to be a boon for this team because uh, they've at times been a little cash tight, which has not allowed them the malleability with the salary cap. They're mostly hands-off. Uh, Greg Penner, although Rob Walton is the main purchaser here, Greg Penner and his wife will be running it. Um, they, they have kind of a hands-off approach, but they're bringing in you know football guys. And I would not be surprised to see Peyton Manning join this. I would also not be surprised, and I'll, I'll put this one out here for you. It's not out there anywhere else. Uh, I would not be surprised to see Terrell Davis uh, joining in as well. Mm. Oh. Okay. Okay. Oh. Yeah, we always well, we'll wait on Manning. to spike the ball for you on that you one. You like that. Like yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. You always wait on Manning. You just wonder what he, you know, like is he just going to be do the Manning cast and that's enough. I, you just He seems like he's got so much he's capable of, you know? Yeah, I think the problem for Manning is he would want to be more hands-on than, than I think that that, uh, that they would want. So I would not be surprised to see that be a bit delayed, especially if the George Payton thing goes south, he might step in. But I don't think he wants to be in a turf war with George Payton because I think Peyton Manning wants to put his own stamp on things. I got you. Great stuff, yeah, buddy. Makes sense. Ah, Love talking best. to you, pal. Absolutely, man. All right, that's the great Benjamin ben. Albright. Love him. Joining us on the hotline. He's the best. All sorts of good stuff there. Coming up next, our camp preview, positional previews continue. We hit on the safety visits. It's an absolutely loaded room. That's coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. My friends, the bath authority can give you that bathroom of your dreams and they can do it for you in about a day. I'll ask you the question, why not transform your current bathroom into a spa-like experience? They can do it for you at the bath authority. They make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The bath authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler, expert factory train installers. Give them a call now. 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects are all made in the United States. You can change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding in about a day. Superior products with expert installers at thebathauthority.com. 216-220-8399. 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel on that. Time for a position preview continues. This time we are in the safety room. It's loaded. Loaded, Dr. Z. Oh, baby. I love this what a room. Treat. This is this might be one of my favorite rooms. Not only do we got Jeff Howard back there with these guys patrolling in his beautiful Cleveland Browns defensive back hoodie. No big deal. I heard, by the way, rumors are there might be a, uh, a sleeveless T-shirt hoodie in the works. Oh, God. Really? Which would be, which would be just something spectacular. To oh, see my God. And just walk around in and feel good about yourself. And there's reason to feel good. We got John Johnson, who was our big free agent signing a year ago. He led the Browns defense, every player, 903 snaps played, 15 starts, tied for the team lead with three picks. He had 61 tackles, a tackle for a loss, a half a sack, a forced fumble, and five PBUs. But as the year went on, he got more comfortable in the D. And this was a guy who, with the Rams, was considered to be a top 10 safety in the league every single year. Now, it didn't start that way with the Browns, and we all know that. But from week nine on, 
as he got closer to the line of scrimmage, got more involved, more versatile like he was with the Rams. He was the 12th graded safety at Pro Football Focus for the second half of the season. So I think that shows you what he can do as we get going here. And it wouldn't surprise me if at the end of the year he's a pro bowler and a top 10 safety. Grant Delpit. I believe, has the opportunity to become a pro bowler and a top 10 safety in this league as well. Last year, 15 games, 7 starts. Played 600 snaps, 66 tackles, 3 tackles for loss, 1 sack, 1 pick, 3 passes defensed, and a forced fumble. He, he started slow. He was trying to figure out his body, figure out his, you know how he felt, and then also learn the defense on the field, on the fly. Uh, but I'll tell you what, from week 12 on, the last basically quarter of the season, he was elite the last third of the season, I should say. Pro Football Focus's number eight overall safety, number three in coverage was Grant Delpit. He's had a great offseason. We said earlier, you know, who was the star of the minicamp and the OTA sessions? And, and I think we all agreed Grant Delpit defensively was that guy. And Jeff Howard, we mentioned him earlier. He said, you know, he is a guy who really is playing fast. He's comfortable in the defense, comfortable with what he's seeing, and I think has a chance to break out. And then there's Ronnie Harrison, who... If we were doing this after the 2020 season when the Browns won the playoffs, you just said Ronnie's one of the stars of the defense. He was that year the third best player on the defense behind Miles Garrett and and Denzel Ward. But last year he struggled a little bit. Still 584 snaps, 58 tackles, four tackles for loss, a sack, three PBUs. But he's back on a one-year deal, and he's hungry. And I think he feels like he has something to prove. Remember last year, and kind of what was a microcosm of his season, kind of getting off the rails, he was thrown out of the season opener against Kansas City for a fracas on the sideline when, frankly, he got hit by a coach on their team who got nothing happened to that guy, which is still wild to me. That but feels I think like they, six years ago. When you yeah, said doesn't that, it, it feels like six years ago to me. That was Jeez. a long time ago. Week one, last Kansas year. City, and ugh. One that just got away, slipped through the fingers of the Scottish Hammer. We had Ronnie getting ejected. Oh, my God, yeah. Thought we were out there making a statement and heading right to the Super Bowl in the first half of that game. But he's back. And so now you've got your top three safeties from a year ago all back. Ronnie can play in that dime, and you feel great about the versatility, what they bring. And I still stand by the fact that Ronnie Harrison is an incredibly talented player. And so you've got three starting caliber safeties in that room. Your key backup, you've got Rich LeCount, uh, the second-year player out of Georgia. Miss Kay walking by. A little, oh, hello. How are you? Hello. you got a second-year player out of Georgia, played nine games last year, one start, played in defense in four of them, uh, the other one special teams, 76 snaps, three tackles. Don't forget he started on Christmas against Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And I think we will all remember he got his welcome to the NFL moment in the red zone. He ended up in a man situation with Devontae Adams. Didn't go well for him. Touchdown Packers. But overall on the game, as it went on, he played very well. And that defense, if you recall in that game, certainly played well enough to win for the Cleveland Browns. And we were decimated in that one. No John Johnson. Uh, He's a guy who's loved by his teammates. Uh, A lot of the guys say he's the funniest guy on the team. Great hoops player to boot. And he's somebody who I know, talking to Mike Prefer, he said that he's really embraced kind of the special teams role and knows that that's a way for him to make an impact and, and still get a chance to play some at safety. And uh, Jeff Howard told me that, you know, he's also seeing it better. And when he sees it right, he's really, really good. And so the key is just to have him seeing it the right way more often than not. And then you've got a chance to have a nice little safety there. So those are your top four. I'd say those are the four who are going to make the roster. Uh, yep. Behind them, we've got a couple of guys who have a chance to compete for a roster spot. D'Anthony Bell, 
who's an undrafted free agent out of West Florida, won the national championship at West Florida in 2019. Uh, he had two interceptions, 54 tackles last year. Uh, the coaches have noticed him, and, and he's been playing some of the dime, in, and that's a role that they've, they've thought has fit well. He's 6'1", uh, 2'11", can cover, and he's got speed, and that's what Jeff Howard and you know Brandon Lynch, they want Joe Woods on the back end. They want guys that can run, and Bell can do that. So keep an eye on him as a guy that could make you know certainly the practice squad, but maybe could surprise you and be kept as a fifth safety if they want to have five for special teams purposes and maybe go five linebackers, five safeties, for example. Nate Metters, uh, an undrafted free agent out of UCLA who originally signed with the Minnesota in 2019. Guess who was the assistant DB coach for the Minnesota Vikings in 2019? Jeff Howard. There you go. Oh. So he does have some familiarity with our staff. He's played in three career games with the Vikings in 19 and 22 tackles. Interesting little side note here. He was a high school quarterback, and in his last season in high school, he ran for 2,000 yards and 26 touchdowns, which I felt like Jeez. that was noteworthy. It feels like a lot. I agree. Feels like a lot. <laughs> feels like a lot as a quarterback. And then finally, Luther Kirk the fourth, an undrafted free agent out of Illinois State, who has spent time with the Cowboys, the Vikings, and the Falcons, appearing in one career game with Atlanta. Um, and he was an FCS All American first team in 2019 at Illinois State, uh, and was the team captain there. So that's rounding out your safety room. Likely to be four those first four that we mentioned: John, Grant, Ronnie, and uh, Rich LeCount. Could there be a fifth, potentially, depending on how they break things down on the defensive side of the ball? Is this the coolest room? Like, of just in terms of the style of play, their persona walking on the field, the, cool, the way they look in a uniform. It's, it's, it's up there. It's up there. I, I mean, mean, the corners have a lot of that. The corners the, have a lot of it. I mean, when you talk about the ends and you got Miles Garrett Clowney, that makes that room feel pretty cool. It's just big guys. It's hard to, you know, like these guys are just a different feel. Like these guys just are all bouncy. They're all big, impressive, you know, athletes. Like it just, I don't know, like the, the whole thing, they all look swagged out in their uniforms. Oh yeah. And with their coach as the most swag, I would say of any of the position coaches. So yeah, I would probably say so. I just throw the corners in with it. If you're talking now, you've got Denzel and Greg and Greedy and even MJ's got some. AJ Green's got some swag to him. Herb Miller does. Herb Miller's running around there with a hoodie, which I think is great while he's playing. And then you got these safeties. All of these guys, I think it's a it's a strong looking room. Yeah, I think so. Like a year ago, it probably would have been, you know, Odell and Jarvis and receivers and all of that, clearly. But you know, this feels like they've they've inherited it'd be a heck it's a heck of a battle between the safeties and the corners. Yeah. The uh next time we have Jeff Howard on, we'll ask him. We'll ask yeah, him that. yeah, and this news of a, some sort of a a sleeveless hooded T shirt situation, yeah. I mean that sounds in, like magic. Win. Yes, yeah, totally. That feels like it's magic. I absolutely yeah. love that. All right, it sign, is. Uh, sign us up. It's an Ask CBD Thursday edition of the program. Still time to get your questions into Gibe. That's coming up I, next. Go I ahead. can tell you, Meckling already has one that has my head spinning. He always does. He's got always. There's a do- you could do you could do like a normal ass CBD and then you could do a Meckling edition just of pure ass Bobby. CBD. Bobby, just all Bobby, hey Bobby. All right, it's coming up next. Cleveland Browns Daily, eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste and Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Time for a little mailbag. Hello, Gibby. Good boys. 
How you doing, buddy? Uh, you know what? Uh, we were just getting Stevie's computer up and running, his new laptop. He's all growing oh. up before our eyes. Oh, my gosh. Well, how's he coming on Eastbound and Down? Not mm, so great. Mm, 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 Not mm. so great, kids. Sad, Stevie. Really sad. Yeah, sad. I asked. Just like, oh, there was you know a- what he said? Not, I'm not even that into Danny McBride. Sorry. Uh, irrelevant. That's what I said. It's a homework assignment. It's a, it's we're not asking. also true. We're, we're not asking here. We're telling. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, you guys ready? Like, tomorrow's a day off for you. Well, you know, it's all it, – it's funny. I had somebody tell me this morning that, oh, I can't wait for football season. And I am a little excited. Once it gets going, I will be excited. But I'm also like, I, it, 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 we'll be fine. We're, we'll, I'll be, I'm going to be fine. We get a lot of football. Got a lot of football coming. Man. Yeah. Lots of football. We'll be fine. You're going to get your taste. Going to have plenty of things to talk about. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. God, I hope, be something if it's tomorrow, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean. It's, be something. It, be so on brand. It, don't forget the day we acquired him, we were not on. That's right. <laughs> we That's right. NCAA that tournament. It would only seem fitting that we are not on tomorrow. Yeah, that would be. That'd be the way that would go crazy so a uh, little mailbag here to round out the week buckle down uh at browns underscore daily go get the go. hashtag ask cbd we are underway and we have plenty of questions here rick sorg if i screwed up your last name it's not the first time probably won't be the last but apologies um, yes are the Amazon Prime televised games going to be included in the Sunday NFL ticket televised games? That's a great question. <clears throat> I don't think so. I had a meeting yesterday with the league, and that did not get brought up. They never were before, were they? They've never been, no. I don't no, think so. No, I think they've always been separate, Sunday so. NFL ticket. Yeah, yeah, right. It's just This is not Wednesday night taped. Well, no, no, no. But What's he hoping for? Like he Sunday buys the ticket... ticket? That he, is the ticket through Amazon now? Hold on, are you saying the ticket's through Amazon now? Isn't it through Apple? It's through Apple. Yeah, so I would say no. The Amazon Prime games are going to be on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's, now, those are totally separate. It, in Cleveland, they will air on a local station. I yeah, don't the, know that. Hold on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the partner, right? Or are they bidding that out? That's bid out, yeah. It, it's bid out, but I don't. Yeah, I, I'm Amazon not sure Prime. exactly who has won those bidding yeah. rights or if they've been announced yet. I'll yeah. tell you what's going to suck about all of this, and, and I'm a big flipper, and I know I'm old in that way, but it's going to suck to like have to just stay in that that app and not be able to bounce around. Like I used to love to be able to watch the Thursday night football game and then bounce to the to the college football that was usually on on Thursday night. It's going to be two and different you, apps. Two different apps. So now I'm, I mean, have two screens, though. Well, I'm in. A, I have a two-screen two situation, so that's the way yeah. I'm going to have to do it. But like, yeah. that sucks that the, that you can't do that. I I like being able to bounce. You can. You just bounce through app, from app to app, which is actually not that slow. It's not as fast as channel to channel, obviously, but it's not that. But, bad. it's manageable. But launching one and and then launching sure. another, it takes a minute. You know, I mean, yeah. by the time yeah, you yeah. get there, that you're already out of commercial. Gibe, can I use this one because it, it doesn't have an hashtag ask CBD, but it was replied to a Browns Daily. Did you see this one about the, I, I, from Joe starting at the top and working my from way yo? Through. It's Joe Parr. Is that one of the ones you're going to do? Yes, that's right, actually do the it. next one. All right, perfect. Let's go. 
Uh, I'm excited for this. From Joe. Yo, it's Joe Parr. Yo, Joe. What's on your route? What is on your Mount Rushmore for spices? Would you like to buy a vowel gift? Are we counting pepper and salt as spices or are those givens? That's a great follow-up. I, I let's don't take know. them out because I think out. let's take them out because I think we're trying to get. They a would be bit. in everything. So like, yes, and, and honestly, salt peppers in every recipe that's made, yeah. in, no matter everywhere. And honestly, mo- you, you could honestly make almost anything great with just those two in olive oil. Truly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All right. I didn't get a preview for this question. So this hit me, you know, just just totally, totally uh, out of the gates with with no pre- prior thought to it. I mean, I think of, I feel like I would want some cumin. I feel like that would be in the mix. Uh, some paprika would be in the mix for me. Um, I mean, like rosemary is not a spice, right? Or is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. a plant, though, right? I guess. Well, I guess. Yeah, they all. Yeah. So rosemary would be one for me. Rosemary's on mine. Rosemary's garlic is. is are you like garlic? Is that a powder? spice or is that a vegetable? Ro- garlic. I think it's a seasoning. I think that's what we're like talking. Like, well, you, then find, garlic. you could find garlic powder in the spice aisle. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, then garlic for sure. Garlic rosemary would be garlic rosemary one and one a, a, and then crushed red pepper for me. Crushed okay. red pepper would be three, and then the other would be maybe like. I've been using a lot of lately that I've really been enjoying is some ancho chili powder. I'm a really yeah. big ancho guy. It's really delightful. According to, people... my one, according to my buddy who probably would know this, rosemary is an herb, not a spice. Okay. So we can't use basil and oregano and yeah, rosemary. You can use any of those then. Those are all herbs. Yeah. Doesn't sound like it. All right. Yeah. So then I'll go with I some like ancho the ancho. Chili. I like yeah. that. Paprika. I mean, that's, yeah. So we just use spice loosely because you'd find dried basil and yeah, dried Italian right. seasoning and all that in the spice aisle. Yeah. Crushed red pepper. Can I use that as a spice? Yeah, for that's sure. Spice. Yeah, that's a spice. I like crushed red pepper. Oh, yeah. it's great. Yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, Ethan tweets at the show, as you can do, at Browns underscore daily using the hashtag AskCBD. I want to make a trip to a Browns home game this year outside of the obvious answer of Halloween. What game would you recommend I make the trip for? I mean, Z, go ahead. I would just say go early yeah. in the year. Week five, October the 9th, Chargers-Browns. Still have a good shot at some pretty good weather there. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend in Tampa Bay, you can't go wrong. I was going to say, Tom Brady's last game. You go down to Columbus here. on Saturday for Ohio State. And that's oh, my God, that's a daily double. Tampa. Yeah, That's and, a huge double. Yeah. Friday, Those are pretty find good. a bar for uh, U.S. England World Cup. Jeez. Wow. You Monday all that through there, Friday the following week, rest your liver because it'll yeah, be you dead. Get, you got it all set up. Boy, it's yep. – yeah, like – yeah, that's it. I mean, it's Chargers and Bucks. Those are the non-Bengals monsters are those two. Yeah, and the Ravens, Ravens is late. late. The Ravens game would be great too. <clears throat> but it's yeah, late. it's just middle of December. You're just going to be cold. Yeah. Christmas Eve Saints. Phew, that's brutal. Last home game of the year. Yeah, and then two roadies. In the regular season. Yeah, it's funny. Like, we stock so much when we launch the schedule about the schedule, but this is the first time I've looked at it since we launched it. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, you don't yeah. you don't ever think about it until you're in it. Um, I would forgot, like, how great that Chargers game looks on the ninth. Oh, my God. Yeah, and hopefully we're yeah, full, full strength. strength. Yeah. Uh, Jack Quinn tweets at the show, enough about white helmets. Can we incorporate Brownie the Elf into an alternate uniform? No. 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 Uh-uh. <laughs> 
Mm-mm. But, 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 perhaps. Oh. Brownie could be incorporated into the stadium. Oh. So here's the other thing about Brownie that's pretty interesting. So there's the stand-up Brownie that running brownie. you see a lot, but the real Brownie you want is running Brownie. He could be in the mix as well. I think Just he's saying. the preferred Brownie to the elf. I did like the idea. I did like our compromise of the white helmet with the brownie, the the running brownie. You wanted it on the side. I can yeah. get there, but I also like the idea of him like in the back. I think that could be kind of cool to have him back there. Um, in my mind, you know where I see yeah. him? Where I that? see him running right at midfield. Jeez. A man can dream. Yeah, that would be cool too. It's cool. I mean, it's a cool... It's, it's really a cool, cool logo. Yeah, we've been really, you know, we've we've we're always very judicious with when we use it, and it disappeared. It was gone forever, and then it came back. You know, five Logos years ago, we many years. started to see it pop up from yeah. time to time, but yeah. now becoming much more common. Yep. Uh, David Kerr with an interesting one. Okay. I have a question. Okay. What nickname would you give a Mister Brad Mellon? M e l o n. Viper. Call sign Viper. I mean, what he has pulled at, at this point, the things that he has accomplished, not only in his career, but as a prankster, are frankly unparalleled. And I would just say, like, you know how they have, like, you know, people sometimes their nicknames are, you know, for example, you remember uh, Purvis Ellis? Wasn't he never nervous? Never Purvis? nervous. Yes. Never nervous. Never doubt Brad Melland. Are you sentence. back to like? It it's a nickname. Never. Are you back to right. like, like now trying to get into his favor? Has it? Has this come full circle? We don't know where we stand right now. We've had time apart. Sneaking around. Absence does make the heart grow fonder. It felt like he was trying to come back into I saw him the good graces. We had a conversation. Yeah. What? what well, was you always do. I mean, in that room that you're in right now. And he said, and you said, eh, we'll see what happens. Jimmy, here. let's go. We'll see what happens. We'll see what, we'll happens, see what happens here happens. All right. over yeah. the coming days. More pranks. I mean, I feel like I, you, I mean that's there's nowhere to go but down. Pranked, it is like a, it's a, it's a been done. There's nowhere to go but down from yeah. the quality of what he accomplished. <clears throat> oh, I no. think that there's a long season ahead if you're going to put a challenge like that out. I'm not putting a challenge out. I'm just saying that I don't know that anything will top that. Didn't we? Did, what didn't we have a a Brad? Brad Mellon Excellence Award? The like award, maybe that's just award, yeah. yeah, doesn't Steve maybe Mellon that just goes a perfection. Pursuit maybe perfection. just Brad Excellence written on my board. Mellon. Perfection. Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect. Bring that back this Mr. Year. Perfect. And now Mr. That Perfect. Henning has moved on. Now he carries the moniker. Yeah. Kind of just like put that on the helmet. there was there was the nature boy Buddy Lindell, and then now, you know, the nature boy Ric Flair just moved on and now maybe we got Mr. Perfect, Brad Mellon. I like it. By the way, in Top Gun Maverick, I like how they did Hangman on the on the helmet. I thought that was yeah, cool. with a couple letters missing. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Meshling time. Here we go. All right, Bobby. Would you rather win an Olympic medal or an Academy Award? Olympic medal. Not even question. Ambitious I think both. It depends on what it's in. Like, Listen. am I am I getting an Academy Award for like sound editing, or am I getting the Academy Award for best actor? Am I getting an Olympic gold medal for the 100 meters or the 50 free? Or am I getting a gold golf. medal for judo? 
You know I'm what I mean? Like golf. Very, very different. I also have a very substantial income with that as well. Yeah. Well, I feel like if you won an Oscar, you'd have pretty you'd substantial, have substantial income. income. That's right. With that as well. Um, I think without question, the Oscar is the cooler relic. You know what I mean? Like you put that on a mantle, it's a bit of an attention getter. Everybody knows what it is. Like a me- gold medal, you're, it's going to be hanging on something. How are you going to position it? you're the greatest it? in the world at something, that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's all, you know, I don't know that, you know, you're the greatest in that, in that moment, but there's also qualifications to it. I just think for, sure. in terms of having one in your house, I would rather have the Oscar in my house. Fine. Together, we would be formidable. I'll have a gold medal. Quite. You have an Oscar. Quite. Uh, more from Meshling. Yeah, give me the good one here. Would you rather all your walls be painted white or every room a different color? White. White. Give me the 100 years one. I like this uh, question. Would you rather go back in time 100 years or forward in time 100 years? All right. I've thought now, about Now, do I got to stay? Let's have some rules here. Do we have to stay where we are or do we get to – do we get our no, the knowledge we have now, Bobby? Like my no, information that I have in my head now and I go back 100 years or am I out there just making the best of it? I think you're out there making – you've been like, like Outlander. You touch the stones and now you're either <clears> – <throat> immersed in the world a hundred years before or behind and so here without the knowledge you have your same knowledge today like you all of a sudden i touch this wall or i touch this screen and touch you and poof i'm a hundred years back or forward and i'm stuck there that's where i'm at right but you have the information of everything you know in the world in 2022 give me that right now give me that i go back to 1922 i'd clean up would you yeah 1922 with all the information i have Prohibition is going on in nineteen in the nineteen twenties. You're about People to hit the still, Great hey, Depression in the In the words of Al Capone in, in the Untouchables, on Lakeside Drive, it's called hospitality. I'll be just fine. I'm not worried about prohibition. I'll thrive about in a lot of things that are going on there. There's not a lot of great you got you got the Great Depression coming in the end of the decade, and then you've got But I could see all World that coming too. Yeah, you I would know, know it's all coming. coming. I know that it's coming. Like, I would short stocks. I would be, I mean, I would be, you'd kill it. Yeah, you could make a lot of money in the stock market, I bet. That's yeah. a good point. I like that. I mean, the I kinda, years from now, let's, let's be honest. We're not trending in a great way, coach. No, we might be gone, brother. We might be gone. <laughs> I would run, like. Man. I wouldn't mind being around, though, in 100 years. I feel like we'll be able to, like, fly to space and maybe I can meet an alien. Cool. It feels like we're devolving. If you had me go back further to, like, last of the Mohicans time, I'm in. If I could have gone back further, I'd be in. One more here real quick as we're up against it. <laughs> he wanted from, less amenities? Yeah. From the Bud Lighter man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I tune in to Daily. Uh, love the show. Wondering why there's always so much more to come when there is definitely not. You don't get the show. Mike, I'm gonna hear to, here to tell you about the Mike, time you think there's nothing more to come. There's so there's much. something to come. It's Is kind it? of like I feel like Mike would be two days into his internship, which would be a great thing for him with us. He'd be oh loving my God, it, so right. thrilled, and then we'd be like, "Hey, can you just do one thing for us?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, no, I, I'm not doing it." Yeah, that's right. I haven't done it yet. Yeah, you got to get those things done, Mike. That's the way that it works. Sad. Yeah, that's so it. I mean, this is—it's not an option. This is the way that the thing goes. Uh, all right, good job. You good, Gibby? We are good. Time to wrap it up and take her home, baby. So much more to come. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. What did we settle on? We want to go back 50 years? That's really yeah, what we want to do. Yeah, just 72. 72. Yeah, that's we the start spot. there with our knowledge, with our, with our understanding of the world. We're the really big. Bill Gates, is, Bill Gates is making a computer in his, uh, in his garage. And guess Hey, Bill. Hey. We'd love to be involved in this. <laughs> sure would. Do you need some starter cash? Yeah, I throw you a hundred bucks, buddy. Let's sure. see what that buys me. Can I get in on this? I'd love to get in on it. And the lifestyle choices you and I would have at the, that time, from this, from the, oh, through the seventies and the eighties, and fur coats. Oh God! Could wear that the only, shirt. The only like. scene this I'm not one? sure. Yeah. yeah, this one wore good. Yeah. How do you think we would have done in the disco era? You think that would have been that? Never really spoke to me. I don't know how we would have done it. Well, you would have thrived. We've been dancing around having time of our lives. Studio 54 having the time of your life. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been something. Quite debauched. Quite debauched. We would have got to hang least. out with Frank Severo in his prime. It's funny. As we're doing the show here, I got an, uh, an, a, a yeah, He's doing a live. He's, he's live. live. He's, he's back live, in the baby. mix. <laughs> what's the hey, what's going on? Hey, Frank Severo. Let me ask you this. Why is it always 100,000 degrees outside, and why is his house always 55? Can't he just turn the heat up a little? He likes it cold, baby. Preserve it's, the uh, the preserve the, Save the money, Frank. You don't have to have it. You don't have to chill the. If you're freezing, keep it at seventy-two, buddy. No one's gonna. No one's gonna hold it against you. Uh, we're right. off tomorrow, of course. By the time we get to next week, the season is on. We are back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening. Cleveland Browns Daily at fifty ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.